Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello again. I'm John Gidley. And welcome to another trip into the football attic. Last time we talked about the 1999 Jacksonville Jaguars, who went undefeated against the rest of the NFL, except for the three games they played against the Tennessee Titans. Today we're going to talk about the Jaguars' expansion counterpart, the Carolina Panthers, specifically the 2001 Panthers, who won on opening day, then lost each of their next 15 games. First, a little backstory. If you were with us last time, you'll know that the Carolina Panthers came into the NFL in 1995 along with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unlike the Jaguars, however, the Panthers barely had any growing pains in their first season. Yes, they started 0-5, but they finished the year winning 7-11. of The offense struggled to score points, but the defense was one of the best in football. Carolina lucked out by acquiring such talented defensive veterans as Sam Mills, Tim McHire, and Brett Maxey. In 1996, the offense scored more points, the defense became even better, with the addition of former Steelers linebacker Kevin Green, and as a result, the Panthers went 12-4, won the NFC West, earned a first-round bye, and beat the defending Super Bowl champion Cowboys in the divisional round. Their luck ran out the next week as they lost the NFC Championship game in Green Bay to the eventual Super Bowl champion Packers. After two disappointing seasons in 1997 and 98, Carolina fired their first head coach, Dom Capers, and replaced him with George Seifert, who had previously won two Super Bowls as head coach of the 49ers. In each of his first two seasons, the Panthers just barely missed the playoffs, turning his third season, 2001, into a make-or-break year. That offseason, Seifer created a controversy by releasing quarterback Steve Berline. Berline had slightly regressed in 2000 after throwing for over 4,400 yards and 36 touchdown passes in 1999. Seifert's reasoning was that he wanted a younger, more agile quarterback. Berline was now 36. Therefore, the starting job was given to Chris Wenke, a 29-year-old rookie coming off a Heisman-winning season at Florida State. Seifert's natural hope was that Wenke's college success would follow him to the NFL. In the Panthers' first game of the 2001 season, that hope showed some signs of life. Carolina played at Minnesota against a Vikings team that had won 11 games the year before. Panthers rookie Steve Smith took the opening kickoff 93 yards for a touchdown, and Wenke overcame a second-half deficit by throwing a touchdown and rushing for another, giving Carolina a 24-13 opening day upset win. In retrospect, the players and fans should have savored every moment of that game because it was the last time the Panthers would leave the field with a win for over a year. The 2001 Panthers became the first and so far only team in the era of the 16-game schedule to win their first game and then lose each of their final 15. While Chris Wenke ran for six touchdowns, his passing statistics were entirely underwhelming. Just under 3,000 yards, only 11 touchdown passes, and 19 interceptions. The offense did not have either a 1,000-yard rusher or receiver. The defense was decent, but they had no hope of success with such a dreadful offense. 
Much like any 1-15 team, the Panthers had their fair share of blowout losses. A 28-7 defeat at home to the Packers in Week 3, a 48-14 loss at the St. Louis Rams, and two home blowouts to end the season, 30-7 against the Cardinals and 38-6 against the Patriots. Leaving those embarrassments aside, there were many, many instances where Carolina could have picked up another victory. In a Week 5 home game against New Orleans, the Panthers overcame a 17-0 deficit to take a 25-20 lead late in the fourth quarter, but the defense let the Saints march 82 yards in 15 plays. Ricky Williams scored on a one-yard touchdown run at the gun, and New Orleans escaped with a 27-25 win. The next week in Washington, Carolina led 14-0 in the fourth quarter, but proceeded to give up two game-tying touchdowns. A chip-shot field goal in overtime gave Washington a 17-14 victory. The week after that, at home against the Jets, the Panthers blew a 12-7 second-half lead and lost 13-12. In Week 10, Carolina led San Francisco at home 22-14, but Jeff Garcia threw a 7-yard touchdown pass to Terrell Owens with one second left in regulation, and the 49ers successfully got a two-point conversion to send the game to overtime. You know what happens next. San Francisco kicks the winning field goal and comes away with a 25-22 victory. The next week, at home against Atlanta, the Panthers trailed 10-7 with less than a minute to go, but Wenke threw an interception on their final drive to thwart their attempts to either tie or win the game. The next week in New Orleans, John Casey kicked a 51-yard field goal to give Carolina a 23-20 lead with under three minutes to play. As you might expect, Aaron Brooks threw a 17-yard touchdown pass to Joe Horn, and the Saints won 27-23. While all of these losses were disappointing, none was worse than what happened the next week in Buffalo, when the 1-11 Panthers faced the 1-10 Bills. Carolina had a 24-6 first-half lead and was in great position to finally get their second win. Instead, Buffalo scored 19 unanswered points to get their second win, 25-24. That's seven, count them seven times, that the Panthers could have won. What could have been an 8-8 eight eight season instead ended up at 1-15. George Seifert was fired at year's end and replaced by Giants defensive coordinator John Fox. Chris Wenke would only start one game for the Panthers in 2002, being replaced first by Rodney Pete, then by Jake Delhomme, who in 2003, against all odds, led Carolina to the Super Bowl, where they fittingly lost to the Patriots on a game-winning field goal with four seconds left, proving that 2001 wasn't a distant memory. Thanks for joining me for this trip into the football attic. I hope to see you again next time. In the meantime, check out all the other great podcasts here on the Sports History Network, catch up on previous episodes of the Football Attic, and follow me on Twitter at JFG Sports. Until next time, this is John Gidley. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history, but as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment, you know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, 
all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.